Uh, good evening. Good to see everybody here this evening. I love Sunday night service. I always have. Ever since I've been saved, I've loved coming back out to church on Sunday nights, and I appreciate you guys being here. I would, uh, it would be worth it to come out for Sunday night service for me just to hear Gracie Bell play the piano. Uh, so if, if nothing else happens on Sunday night and Gracie Bell plays nothing but the blood of Jesus for us to sing, then I've had my night made and every, we can just go home from there. We won't, but we could. Uh, so we won't do that. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 10, and we are coming close to the end. Some of you would say amen to that, that we're almost done with this strange book uh, that most of us have never studied. I had never studied. I'd read it before, but never studied it before. We got about three or four more sermons to go in this, and tonight we come to kind of uh, the, the it, it is the end. And Solomon is giving us kind of a a very practical section at the end. I would call it a almost a a how to section of the book of Ecclesiastes, as he's going to get us give us several little bitty tiny statements, very quick, very short, very to the point. And these statements that he's going to give us is going to be uh, to help us get the most out of life. And again, I, I know this is written by, by Solomon, but it's, it's God giving us these things. And God wants us to get the most out of life that we can get. So he's writing these things to us to help us to, to get the most out of life. And these are great pieces of advice. My original title was uh, Good Advice for God's People. But I, and that sounds good. That, that'll work good in a seminary. But I changed it right before, we, before church started tonight. Because as I read the, over these five things one more time, I said, I wish, in my head, I just said that I wish I'd known these things when I was younger. So I thought that would make a great sermon title. I, the things I wish I knew when I was younger. So let's, let's stand together. I want to read to you Ecclesiastes chapter 10. I want to start in verse 8 and read through verse 20. Again, the title is Things I Wish I Knew When I Was Younger. And these are five things. I, I almost put that on there. Five things I wish I knew when I was younger. And you'll see them as we work through these things. And again, i got five points for you tonight, so hang in there with me. Uh, starting in verse 8 of Ecclesiastes chapter 10, it says, He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. And whoso breaketh a hedge, a serpent will bite him. Whoso removeth stones shall be hurt therewith. And he that cleaveth wood shall be endangered thereby. If the iron be blunt, and who do, he do not wet the edge, then must he put to more strength. But wisdom is profitable to direct. Surely the serpent will bite without enchantment, and a babbler is no better. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool swallow up himself. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is mischievous madness. The fool also is, is full of words. I like that. I'm going to stop there in just a second, just in case I don't get to say it later. A fool talks a whole lot. Never, never stops. That's what he's saying there. Full of words. A man cannot tell what's going to come out next. That's what it says. And what shall be after him? Who can tell him? I mean, who, well, who's going to say what comes next? The labor of the foolish wearieth every one of them, because he knoweth not how to go to the city. Woe unto thee, O land, when thy king is a child, and thy princes eat in the morning. Blessed art thou, O land, when the king is a son of nobles, and thy princes eat in due season, for strength and not for drunkenness. But much slothfulness, the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. A feast is made for laughter, and wine maketh merry, but money answereth all things. Uh, curse not the king, no, not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. For a little bird will go and tell on you. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. A little birdie told me. That's what that verse says. 
So we're going to look at these things tonight. I'm going to give you five things I wish I knew that somebody had told me when I was a younger man. And I know I'm very young now. Uh, but these are five things I wish I knew when I was a younger man. So let's pray together and we'll look at this. Father, we thank you for your word, for the practical parts of your word. And I think it's all practical, but some of it's deep, theological. Some of it deals with eternal things. But then you come to a passage like tonight, God, and it deals with the everyday life, the putting one foot in front of the other tomorrow morning. And I love that. I love that you care about how we live on Monday, that this is not just a Sunday religion, but we, we live it all the time. And I think it goes perfectly with our sermon this morning that we need to know how to live, not just where we're going to go when we die, but how we live now. So God, teach us these things tonight. I, th- I think your word is clear I don't think the blinders are on your word. I think the blinders are on our eyes. So God, take the blinders off of us that we may see your word very clearly tonight and learn these things. Not not just the things I wish I knew when I was younger, but things that all of us need to know now and things that our kids need to know today. So God, help me to teach these things and do it clearly. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Our world is full of, and I don't know if you guys have ever heard of these types of people, our world is full of guys who they call self-help gurus. And I don't know if you've heard that term before, a self-help guru. But our world is full of these guys, and, and what they are, there's, there's men or, or women who have reached the top of their profession. They've reached the pinnacle of success. It could be a, a politician, and, and most often it is a politician who is, who's arrived. He's got to where he's going, and, and he's made a, a great success of his life. It could be an athlete or a businessman. or a, and There's even housewives that are called self-help gurus today. And when they reach the top, I guess they don't have anything else better to do, so they write a book. Uh, I mean, they, they, what else can I do? I'm at the top. Where can I go? Let's write a book. And they write a book on how they did it, how they got where they, they are. And here's my method. Here's how I got there. And, the, and they put these books out and they are called self-help books from self-help gurus. So you, you got, you got all kinds of books out there that are called self-help books. And maybe some of you guys have read self-help books. And the goal is that you open these books up, you read the books, you follow the steps, and you become a success just like the one who wrote it. So a politician writes a book, here's how I made it to the top, here's how I made it to the, to the, to the swamp in Washington, D.C., and here's how I made it there, and here's the steps that I took. You buy the book, you pay the, the $25, and you get the book, you read it, and if you do what I did, then you can go to the top just like I did. And a businessman or an athlete or a housewife or even preachers today are writing self-help books. I've reached the pinnacle of success. I've got a, a mega church and everybody loves me. Here's how I got that. There was a book written by Andy Stanley. Don't if you know, don't, hope you guys don't know who he is. He wrote a book called Five Ways to, be, to Better Decisions and, and to Fewer Regrets. Self-help book on, on making better decisions. I'll give you a, a good self-help advice on that. Don't buy his book. Just, just, just don't even do it. There was a, a housewife that wrote a book called Girl, Wash Your Face. How, how to find the, the real you. She's very famous for, for, for the quotes that say things like, uh, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. I love Jesus, but I drink a lot. You know, those kind of things. And, and here's how you can be just like I, I am. Self-help books for Christians. You follow my steps, you'll, you'll get to be like I am, and you'll be a success just like me. And when it comes to self-help advice for girl, wash your face, I would say, girl, just don't buy the book. Um, girl, read the Bible. That, that would be better advice. But there's all kinds of this. It sounds so simple. It sounds so easy. It's a multi-billion billion dollar industry. I mean, there, there, there should be somebody writing a book called 
how to write a self-help book. I mean, that, that's just, I've arrived. So this, this is everywhere. It's in the church. It's in business. It's in uh, sports. It's, it's everywhere you turn. And it sounds great. But I found the original self-help book. And it, here it is in the Bible. It's the original. It's the best. And it's the best because, and I, I've already said this, it comes from Solomon. He isn't a know-it-all. He is the know-it-all. He's seen everything under the sun. He's experienced it all. And now he's written a, a book in Ecclesiastes saying, here's the, the lessons that I've learned. Here's what you need. I'm surprised that more people don't preach this. More people don't read this. I mean, here it is. This is a gift from God to us. This is God's self-help book. I don't know if we get that. Uh, I mean, we're trying to read everybody else's books on how I can make my life better. Well, God has given us the original and the best self-help book. If you want to live a better life, it's in Ecclesiastes. If you want to live a, a life that is more wise and, and well and not foolish... It's in Ecclesiastes. Tucked here behind Psalms and Proverbs is God's self-help book. And I love that God gives us this. God doesn't just care about our eternal life. He does. And He wants us to be saved and to live in eternity with Him. He wants our sins forgiven. He sent His Son to die for us. And we are very good at preaching the eternal things. But God doesn't just care about our eternal life. God cares about our everyday life. And I think we should probably write that down. If you take notes, if you're one to, to tweet or to Facebook or to Instagram or to, to Snapchat or to whatever else is out there, God doesn't just care. He does about eternal life. God cares about how we live our everyday life. God wants us to get the most out of life here while we're living. God wants us to, like, like when I drink a cup of coffee, I don't leave anything in there. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I drink it all the way down. And then I'll get me another one. And I don't leave anything in the pot. Steph doesn't have to clean anything after I get done with the coffee pot. I want to get the most that I can out of it. And that's how God is with life. He wants us to get every last drop out of it. He's going to teach us that tonight. He wants us to, to live well. He wants us to enjoy it. And I don't think we preach that enough. God wants us to enjoy the life that He's given us. And yes, He's already talked about that. In the previous chapters, He's talked about how life is, is unpredictable and life is, is, is chaotic and life is short and you could die at any time. And now He's transitioned to, because you know that life is so quick and so short and it's like a, a vapor and it's here today and it's gone tomorrow then here's how you've got to get the most out of it. So here we are in, in God's self-help section of Ecclesiastes. This is good advice from Solomon, from God, and to us. If you take this advice that God gives us here, it'll help you. It'll help me. It'll help my kids. I, I've got two of my kids up here tonight, Isaiah and Gracie. You need to write these five things down. These things will help you. Five short statements. Uh, you could call them fortune cookie statements. You could call it ancient social media statements. But let's look at it. Let's look at five things I wish I knew when I was younger. Number one starts in verse 8 and goes through verse 11. Very short to the point, look before you leap. Y'all ever heard that one before? It comes straight from Solomon. Look before you leap. 
And this is a, a, a very practical advice on, uh, I, the Boy Scouts would say that, be prepared. Look what he says in verse 8. And, and these are very, five or six examples of where you ought to look before you leave. Watch what he says. He that digs a pit <laughs> falls into it. <laughs> these are normal everyday activities. I mean, you go out and you dig a hole, you've you got to be careful that you don't fall into it. Let's look at them. Most never think about these activities. They just go out and do them. But he says, watch this. They dig a pit and you fall into it. You break down a hedge, which would be a stone wall that they had in those days. And you'd go and you'd knock it down. And as you knocked it down, there'd be a, a, a serpent that would be slithering around underneath it. And that serpent would reach up and bite you. And you wasn't ready for it. You knocked down a wall without ever thinking that there might be a snake behind it. You dug a hole and you had no idea that, that you might fall into it. Watch this, he keeps going. You never thought that you'd be removing a stone and all of a sudden you'd be carrying that big old thing and you'd drop it and you'd, you'd hit your toe. And you cut wood, see that? You had no idea that you needed to wear goggles. I don't think Solomon's talking about goggles here, but when you're cutting wood, something could fly up and get in your eye and you can't see anymore. You never thought about that. Normal, everyday activities that you need to think and you need to prepare, and you need to look at it before you leap into it. Let me go on. The iron be blunt. If the iron be blunt and he do not wet the edge, then he's going to have to cut for a long time. And so you've got to sharpen your axe before you go out and cut, right? You've got to look before you leap. And he gives you another one here in verse 11. You better train your serpent before you try to charm it. <laughs> Before you get start playing the music to get that little little cobra to come up out of its basket, you better make sure that thing's trained. That's what he's saying here. So these are all normal, everyday activities that he's saying, and these are simple jobs. But these people didn't think before they did it. They didn't prepare before they, they got into it. They, they dug the hole without, without preparing anything first. They knocked down the wall without never thinking that a snake could be there. They wasn't prepared. They wasn't ready. And each one of these ends up real bad. Didn't train the snake. And, and all of a sudden you start playing the flute. I don't know how that goes. That snake comes up. Before you know it, it's not in a trance. It's biting you. You better look before you leap. So what's the lesson here, Josh? <laughs> Be prepared. I think that's a great lesson. I think that's something we all need to, to need to learn. That life is unpredictable and even the most mundane jobs could be dangerous. Be ready for anything. This is Boy Scout stuff. I told you it's just basic. You guys are like, well, that's not very profound. Basic wisdom. Look before you leap. Be ready for anything. Have a contingency plan. There should be a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. Me and the kids, me and Steph and the kids don't, don't like to leave the house and get on the road and we're like, okay, we know what restaurant we're going to. And if they don't like that, we got another one and we got another one and most of them are all McDonald's or pizza. But we've got contingency plans for everything that we're going to do. Always be one step ahead. Only a fool goes into something unprepared. That's what he's saying here. Only a fool would do that. Only a fool would dig a pit and then fall into it because he's not prepared. Only a fool wouldn't train a snake before he started playing the flute. Only a fool would knock down a wall and miss a snake. 
Only a fool wouldn't sharpen his iron before he cut wood. So be prepared. Look before you leap. These are all things that you've heard before. Test the waters before you jump in. And you say, how can we apply this in everyday life? I think I would apply this to young people. You better be prepared before you get married. Because they're not doing this anymore, are we? I see a lot of people that, that get married, and, and I do this with it. I've done it with two or three couples recently where they've called me, Josh, will you marry us? And I say, yeah, I'll marry you, but you're going to have to come to my office, and we're going to have to sit down for an hour or two hours, and we're going to talk about all the things that comes with marriage, and I'm going to lay it out in front of you, and I'm going to make it look as, as wonderful as it is, but I'm going to show you all the pitfalls that come in marriage, that if you're not ready for it, you won't make it. Only a fool goes into a marriage without thinking about it first this is this is just everyday life i mean they're doing it on shotgun weddings now people say well i didn't know you'd have to get pre-marriage counseling i thought i'd save the the counseling for (laughs) post-marriage no you can save yourself from post-marriage if you do pre-marriage counseling here's the things i've I've got a i've got a powerpoint that goes with my pre-marriage counseling It, it, it prepare yourself before you jump into those waters before you have kids? <laughs> Good night. You better look before you leap. I mean, I don't think I did. Seth said, we were married. She said, you want to have a baby? He's like, yeah, why not? And then you go to the hospital and they hand you Gracie Bell. And you're like, what in the world am I going to do with this now? <laughs> you know? Somebody needs to get me a self-help book on parenting. I don't know what I'm doing. You better look before you leap. I can go even further because there's lots of people that have kids and they're so unprepared for it. That should get an amen. How about taking a job? You better look before you leap. You can even say you better pray about it before you take it. I've had people say, I'm, I'm moving. I'm going to move away from here and go somewhere else. Have you, have you thought about that first? There's a whole lot of people that are making decisions on a, on a whim today. And, then, and Solomon says the wise thing to do, only a fool doesn't look before he leaves. I mean, today, you've got you to look before you leave. You've got to put a mask on before you go into the store. You know, look before you leave. Change churches. You've got to look before you leave. What, what, what am I getting into? Use your head before your hands is what the old saying says. The best power tool, I like this one. I don't know who said it, but I love it, and I'm going to take it for my own. The best power tool is between your ears. Use it. So there's advice number one. I Look before you leap. And I would tell my kids that. I would tell you that. You need to tell your kids and your grandkids that. You need to be prepared for everything. Look before you leap. Number two, and, and you, I think you'll like this. We're going to get through them. Number two, don't just look before you leap, but think before you speak. <laughs> Somebody should have said amen there. Look look what it says. I love this. Somebody should have told me this. Josh, don't talk so much. (laughs) Once you get those things out there, they don't come back. So use this. The best power tool we have is right here. Think before you speak. Look what it says. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious. And that's all it says about a wise man's mouth. The words are gracious. The wise man speaks encouraging words. Here's what should come out of your mouth. 
You, you ready for this? Gracious words should come out of your mouth. Encouraging words should come out of your mouth. Uplifting words should come out of your mouth. Words that, that, that are a blessing to people. Your words ought to bless people, not curse people. Wise words are a blessing to the people that hear them. They should be a sweet savor to the ears of the people who hear the words that come out of our mouth. That's what he's saying here. Uh, the, the words of a wise man are, are building up, not tearing down. We don't, we don't want to tear down people. Even the, even the words like Jesus said this morning, the harsh words, those words were meant not necessarily to, to cut them down, but to show them where they were so they could be built back up. Our words should be gracious words. That's wise words. But the words of a fool are not. <laughs> Watch this. And he goes to the rest of the verses in this point are all fool, foolish words. Watch this. The lips of a fool will swallow himself up. You say, what does that mean? It's all about him. The words that come out of a fool's mouth are all talking about himself. Giving you his resume. Talking about every, every word is about him and what he's doing and how great he is. You all know somebody who they can't stop talking about themselves. Here's a piece of advice. Don't be that guy. They're foolish. That's foolishness. Verse 13, the beginning of, his, of the words of his mouth are foolishness. He, when he starts a conversation, it's foolishness. And by the time he gets to the end, it's mischievous madness. You say, what is that? It just gets crazier as it goes. Just one thing after the other coming out of his mouth. It's talk, 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 and none of it makes any sense at all. You guys know people who comment on everything, experts on everything, people who will tell you, you know, they all of a sudden become scientists during the pandemic. I'll tell you, Dr. Fauci, don't get this. <laughs> yeah, you're the guy that lost his keys yesterday. <laughs> you're telling me about diseases now? Talk, 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 talk. And it goes on. Just, just keep reading. The fool is full of words. Never stops talking. <laughs> just, just talk all the time. And a man cannot tell what shall be. I mean, who knows what's going to come out next? You talk to a fool, and you know when you're talking to a fool, and you're sitting there scared of what they might say next. That's what he's saying. It's just all the time talking. It's, it's unpredictable. In abundance of words, sin is unavoidable. The more you talk, the more likely you are to say something you shouldn't. I found myself doing that a lot lately. You say, what is that? Be quiet. I'll do that to my kids. They'll be sitting there. Just, I'm a, I've never done it to Steph yet, though. <laughs> yeah, you're wise, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's something I learned when I was, I already learned that one. <laughs> but you get in a conversation, sometimes it's better to use the two than it is the one. You just say, shh. And keep yourself out of a whole lot of trouble like that. Just stop. And I know it's not a whole lot of this now, but it's a whole lot of let's tie your thumbs together so you can't do this. A lot of our talking now is in the BRB and the LOL. You say, so what's the lesson here? Watch your mouth. <laughs> I mean, this is think before you speak. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. There's an old song that used to say that to me, and it's coming straight from the Bible. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. 
For the Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. And that's a good lesson for us. Learn to control your tongue. Have a filter. And you'll save yourself a lot of trouble. Have you ever said that? I hope nobody's ever said that about you, man. They have no filter whatsoever. We have no idea the power of our words. I can still remember stuff that was said about me in middle school. And somebody said without even thinking about it. And it affected me so much that here I am at 40 years old and I can still remember those hurtful words from middle school. I was talking to my little boy Christian the other day and I was, he'd gotten himself into some trouble. And I was, I was trying to teach him some things. I didn't plan to say this, but he, he looked at me and he said, Dad, I know I'm a mean kid. And I thought, no, I'm not, I, I'm not saying that to you. Your mom's not saying that to you. I don't want you to grow up with those words in your ears that you think you're a mean kid. You're a great kid who made him one mistake here. Be careful, little word, mouth what you say. Watch your mouth. So ask yourself, what kind of talk goes on in your home? Is your words building people up? I'll say this, you've got words that build up, you've got words that tear down, and you've got words in the middle that are just empty, nothingness of talk that means nothing. You tell me which one of those comes out of your mouth more. Words that build up, words that tear down, or just empty words that nobody cares anything about. A wise man's words are full, full of encouraging, gracious, kind, uplifting, building up words. And I want my kids to hear more of that than anything else that I say. So you have wise words or foolish words. So that was the second point. Think before you speak. We've seen look before you leap. Think before you speak. And let's look at verse 15. Know where you're going before you start. (laughs) That's good advice. Watch what he says in verse 15. And we're just going to look at that verse there. I mean, I just, I just, this is good stuff. He says, the labor of the foolish wearieth every one of them, everybody around him. He labors, that's, that's good, he's working, but he, has, he doesn't know how to get to the city. You say, what does that mean? It's a, it's a strange verse. I know it's one of those verses that you, you want to make your life verse, that you want to put it on a coffee mug or a t-shirt. But here's where the foolish man, it says, works hard. He's wearying, he's laboring, he's giving everything that he has to what he's doing, but it says he doesn't know how to get to the city when he gets done working. He doesn't know where, he, he, he works real hard and, and he produces something. Maybe he works on a farm and he, he produces some kind of something of, of his labor. But when he gets done with it, he has it in his basket and he has nowhere to take it and to sell it. He doesn't know how to get to the city. He didn't plan ahead. He didn't know where he's going when he got started. You say, well, I still don't get it. Imagine this, you got a lemonade stand, you made it all, it's ready, it's fresh squeezed, it's the best lemonade anybody could ever taste, but you have nobody to sell it to. It's a waste. Or, or, or we could say it this way, you go to college for four, five, six, seven, eight years, you major in some kind of thing like visual arts or interdisciplinary studies, And you get out and you say, I can't believe there's no jobs for any people who majored in this. And I googled that. The most wasteful, I hope nobody here majored in that. But it was on Google. I mean, it's not on me. It's on Google. It said the most wasteful 
majors in college, and it was visual arts and interdisciplinary studies, which means just a whole lot of studies. <laughs> just, just getting a little bit of everything. So you go into college and you work real hard and you give, a, give all this labor and you put everything you can into it and you're passing the tests and, and you get out and you, you got the, all the regalia on and you graduate with honors and you're 4.0 and, and you walk out and everybody takes your pictures and you're like, I graduated college, what are you going to do now? Well, there's no job for this major. <laughs> you didn't know where you was going when you started. And you see that all the time today. And that's what he's saying here, he didn't know how to get to the city. That's advice. A lot of work, but no direction. So here's the advice. Here's the lesson that verse 15 gives us is know where you're going. That's good. But also know how to get there. That's a plan. Have a goal and a plan to get to that goal. That's what he's teaching here. And and I love that. That's rock solid advice for my kids. You need to know where you're going to go and then you need to have a plan in order to get there. A lot of people just aimless in life. And that's what this is. It's just aimless You aim at nothing and you'll hit it every single time. I wish I'd known this when I was younger. Know where you're going. I went to, I ain't going to get into it. A foolish man talks all about himself and I'm not going to do that. I'm learning. I'm thinking with the, the, up here. I went to UVA (laughs) Wild. Had no idea where I was going or what I was doing. Just going to have a good time. Going to play intramural sports. Hang out with my friends. Spent four or five, five years. Just, just <laughs> four years aimlessly. Fifth year, got to figure out what I'm going to do. And then get out and I'm still not using what I used and what I got there. Just, just, just aimlessly. I wish I knew when I was younger that you have to know where you're going when you get started. You need a goal. You need a plan. You know how to get there. Yes, work hard, but work hard with the end in mind. Know where you're going. And I'll ask you a couple questions and we'll move on. I think this is a fun sermon. I just have fun with these things. Get this. Do you have a goal for your marriage? A lot of people's goal for marriage is get married, stay married. (laughs) That's That's a pretty good goal. Really, what do you want out of your marriage? And I thought about this. What's my goal? What's my end game with with my wife? And and I I think I know know, to love her like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her and see her grow and learn and become more like Christ herself. And that we love each other the way the Bible says to love each other. And that our marriage sets an example for my children's marriages when they get older. And they say, I want to, my boys say, I want to be like dad. And my, my daughter says, I want to marry somebody like dad. And my boys say, I need somebody like my mom. And we set that example for our family. We set that example for our church. And that's what we want our marriage to be. That's the goal. And we're working our way to get there so that we can have that marriage that everybody says, that's the marriage that the Bible says we ought to have. There's a goal. And we need to know how to get there. Let's keep keep going. What about for your children? Some people's goal for their children is to get them to 18 and out of the house. (laughs) That's a good goal. But I think a better goal would be that my kids would be saved. And I need to know how to get them there. They need to hear the gospel. Where are they going to hear the gospel? They need to hear it from me. They need to hear it in church. They need to know that they're sinners. They need to know that there's a God. They need to know that that, uh, Jesus made a way by coming to the cross and dying for their sins. They need to know that it's by faith that they, they put their faith in Christ. And it's not of works lest any man should ever boast. 
They need to know that He'll keep us all the way to the end. They need to know the truths of the Gospel. And they learn that the best in church from a, a preacher that's preaching these things. I have a goal in mind for my kids and it's to get them saved. And I can't save them myself, but I will put them in a position to where they'll hear the Gospel and God can use that to save their souls. So I want to see them saved. I want to see them strong in the Word of God. Right? Where are you going to get that at? I'll teach them in my home. I'll teach them every single day. And they'll be in church in Sunday school. And they'll hear Johnny. And they'll hear Brandon. And they'll hear me on Sunday morning. Sunday night. Wednesday night. Everything in between. I've got to make sure my kids know the Word of God. Just Not just 18. But they need to be full grown disciples of Christ when they leave my house. You say, Josh, you're preaching this stuff. Yeah. I've got a goal for my kids and I know how I'm going to get there. What about your job? Do you have a goal for your job? (laughs) Do you have a goal for your money? Are you just making it? And your goal is don't run out? (laughs) Are you going to save? And you got got retirement. We need to know these things. Don't be like this guy who works real hard and gets to the end and says, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I was doing the whole time. You you started, but you didn't know where you were going to end. I've got more. What about a goal for the church? Do we just go through the motions here? No. We've got a goal here. I know what we're doing here. And I know how we're going to get there. We're going to reach the lost. And the only way we can reach the lost is by preaching the gospel. So we're going to reach out to those who are unbelievers in our community. We'll do it here. We'll go out there. and We'll be in the streets and we'll knock on doors. And you guys will do it in your homes. We'll take the gospel out there to to reach them who are are lost. We'll do it online. We'll do it every way that we can with a clothes closet and a meals ministry. We want to get the gospel to the community. But we also want to see you guys in here grow. And how do you do that? By a constant feeding. We want you to become more like Jesus Christ. That's the goal. The goal isn't more people in here. You get that? The goal isn't to fill these pews. The goal is to fill the people in the pews. With the word of God. So that Christ is formed in you. And the only way that can happen is a constant, steady diet of the Word of God where we open it up Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and we're constantly feeding you what will help you to grow and be the Christian that you need to be. There's a goal, there's an end, and we're doing everything we can to get there. This is practical. There's an old Judd song. (laughs) Write that one down, Brandon. Because I know where I'm going. (laughs) Don't you want to come too? Yeah, I'm quoting old, old country music songs. But do you know where you're going? Do you? Because again, this point says know where you're going before you get started. That's point number three. And we've got two more. I like this next one. We've seen look before you leap, think before you speak, know where you're going before you get started. Number four, work before you play. (laughs) This is so good. What advice? I mean, this, 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 I should be going into schools and teaching these things. They should give me an assembly at Union. <laughs> Can you imagine that one? Work before you play. Look what he says in verse 16. Woe to thee, O land, when your king is a child. And he's not literally a child there. He just behaves like one. You with me? And how does a child behave? Watch this. 
He eats in the morning. You say, what does that mean? He gets up in the morning and he has his feast and his buffet and his party and he gathers everybody together first thing in the morning and he plays before he works. Only a fool does that. That's a woe under the land. That you would have a king who would do more playing than working. You with me? And then he says, blessed art thou. That, that's a change when you have somebody in a land. See that? Verse 16 and 17 goes together. When your king is the son of nobles. He's wise. And he eats his princes eat in due season. And he eats for strength so he can work, not for drunkenness. So get this. The first one has it all twisted around. He plays before he works. That's foolish. That's dumb. But the wise king knows that it's best to get up in the morning and to work, and then at the evening you can play. It's better to work before you play. That's what it says. The difference is, is the order. A, a fool will eat and, and celebrate in the morning, and by the time you get to the end of the day, you're, you're too drunk to play or to work. And then he calls that lazy. He says, this, this man, look what he says. I lie. Verse 18. He says that because of this, the slothfulness, which is laziness, the buildings will start to decay. And through that idleness, you're just wasting time. You're playing all the time and not working. And because of that, buildings are falling down and your roof is leaking. You spend all your day eating and drinking and partying. And before you know it, your house is falling apart and your roof is leaking down on you. The lazy man has a leaky roof. Write that down. And this is more than just a house falling apart. This is a, a life falling apart. That when you play more than you work, your whole life will eventually fall apart. I think we've got a nation that does more playing than it does working. And our nation is crumbling. You've got a whole generation that's coming up and all they want to do is play and drink and eat and be merry and nobody wants to work. That's what he's saying here. You work and then you play. You, you win, then you celebrate. Don't get that mixed up. Don't celebrate in the locker room in the first quarter. A wise man gets up early, eats for strength, goes to work. Watch this in verse 19. I love it. And then, verse 19, he has a feast at the end of the day that's full of laughter and wine and merriment. And he has money that's the answer to all things. See the, see the contrast there? A lazy man gets up and plays all day. And at the end of the day, his house is falling apart. It's leaking and everything's just crumbling and falling. And he's wondering why you didn't work. But the wise man gets up early, eats his meat, gets his strength, works all day long, comes home, has his feast with his wife and his kids. And there's merriment and joy and there's money. Do you see the difference? I mean, my kids need to hear that. When you get up in the morning, do your school before you play Fortnite. You can play Fortnite later. But when you get up, get the work in early in the day, and you can rest later on. Work hard. This is good for life. Work hard young and retire later. This is good advice. This is easy to apply. A lot of people want the good life. Man, you should write this down. I wrote it down. A lot of people want the good life. 
They want a well-kept home. They want nice things and nice cars. But most of them aren't willing to work for it. A lot of people want the good life. But there's not a lot of people who's willing to work to get it. John MacArthur gave us advice one time in, in class when I was in California. He stood up there, 80 years old, gray hair, symbolizing all the wisdom and age of him being in ministry. And he stood up there, kind of, you know, he's just getting older and slower. And he said this, and I thought it was one of the most profound things I've ever heard in my life. He said, everybody wants to have what I have right now. You know, he's got ministries where he's, people are listening to his sermons across the world. He's got seminaries. He's got colleges. He's got Christian schools. He's got, you know, 10,000 people showing up in his church on Sunday morning. I mean, he, he's one of the most revered and respected men in all the country. Unbelievable man, writing books and preaching sermons and preached through the entire New Testament and just highly respected and honored and should be. And he has, he's sitting up there at, at 80 years old, pastored for 50 years, and he said, everybody wants what I have, but there's not too many of you willing to do what I did to get it. I thought, wow, if that ain't right. He said, not many of you are willing to go through what I went through and to get put the work in like I put in. You don't see what it took to get here. But if you want to get where I am, you have to do the work that I did. And there's a whole lot of people that want the nice things. They want the, the verse 19, and the feast and the laughter and the wine and the merriment and the money. But they do the verse 16. They're children who eat in the morning. Celebrate in the morning. They want it handed to them today, don't they? They play off the work of other people. We have a whole generation of people who are playing off the work of other people. If, that, if that's not true, I mean, that, that, that deserves an Amen. Playing off the work of their parents. Parents worked hard. Kids play hard. <laughs> and now we've got a nation of people who are just playing, sitting around the house, doing nothing, off the backs of hardworking taxpayers who are working and working and working. It's foolishness, is what it is. I mean, this is Solomon's words, not mine. Foolishness. And I think we've got a nation and have had a nation that is run by children. Immature children who just played with our nation. Spend more time in front of a TV camera than working their fingers to the bone. You wonder sometimes, and I'm going to get political here. Maybe I should just, the fool's mouth is, is full of words. I'm going to take my advice and just move on. You wonder sometimes how many of those men have actually done a day's work in their life. And they're just up there spending everybody else's money that we worked hard for and now they play with. Like it's monopoly money. You guys are being quiet. Let's move on. My application is, and this is simple, get up early, get the work done, go home and eat. That's not hard. Get up early, work hard, 
go home and eat. And that's a good life. It really is. And I want my kids to do that. You say, what do you want your kids to do? I don't, they can set their own goals. I don't have to set it for them. But I hope that when they do, they get up early, they work hard all day, and when they get home, they can rest with their family. And that is a good life. Last point, and we'll close. I don't know if you guys have kept up. Five points. Look before you leap. Think before you speak. Know where you're going before you get started. Work before you play. And the last one is use caution before you complain. <laughs> this is a good one. Uh, use caution before you complain. He says that verse 20, curse not the king. Don't, don't curse the king, not in your thoughts. Or curse not the rich in your bedchamber. I mean, these, these are private places. The thoughts, I mean, who knows my thoughts? Only God knows my thoughts and, and me. I mean, who, who, who can know my thoughts? And, and it says, and not even in your bedchamber. That's me by myself in my room. Uh, don't even say these things. Don't complain. Don't criticize in your mind or even in a room by yourself. Why? <laughs> this is so good. I think this is the easiest one. Because a little birdie will carry that out and they'll find out what you said. How many times have you heard that? That you might have said something to somebody and you never thought that would ever get out in any way at all. And all of a sudden it gets back to the person that you said it about? How did you hear that? Well, a little birdie told me. Watch this. Look what it says. For a bird of the air will carry it, to carry the voice. And that which hath wings shall tell the matter. A little birdie told me comes from Ecclesiastes 10, 20. Did you know that? You guys are learning all kinds of stuff tonight. I think this might be where Twitter came from. <laughs> A little birdie told me, you know, tweeted it. A little tweety bird. So it says, it's a saying here, be careful what you say. Be careful who you talk about. Be careful with your complaints and your criticism. Be careful who you make fun of. I, I tell my kids that. We will sit, <laughs> we'll sit at a little league game and we're all lined up there together and my kids will be watching it and a kid will do something and they'll say, they'll laugh at it. That's the kids. Look, like, oh, that little kid struck out. And I'll say, be careful. Why, Dad? The mom could be sitting right behind you. The little birdie's going to hear it. Be careful what you say and who might hear what you say. This is good. We like to complain. Amen. We like to criticize. And we always do it against those who are above us. Watch this. It's always kids complaining about their parents. Kids, be careful. Think before you complain. Daddy could be right outside your room. A little birdie named Emma could tell me. <laughs> Employ employees, be careful when you're criticizing your boss at the water cooler. He may be standing right behind you. Wife, <laughs> Steph, be careful when you're criticizing your husband. When you're talking to your sister on the phone and you're telling her how bad that sermon was that night. I might just show up early from work. And hear it and be hurt by it deeply. Be careful, church, talking about your pastor. In the grocery store with your friends and there comes old Joshy, you know. It'll come back to haunt you. A little bird is listening. And I don't think he even knew about Siri and Alexa, but he, he knew there's little birds listening. The words always get around. There's always somebody listening. And yeah, there's always a reason to complain. There's always someone that thinks they can do it better than somebody else. There's always guys fishing somewhere, fixing all the problems of the nation, criticizing and complaining about 
somebody somewhere coach criticizing your coaches and your teachers parents criticizing the pastor on the way home we all do it we all complain we all criticize and the advice here is we all better watch out when we do it this is just practical advice this has happened to all of us we better use caution before we complain and the application is is easy once it's out There's no getting it back. Always somebody ready to tell what you've told them. How many times have you said, I'm going to tell you this, but don't you tell a soul? Right? You guys are sitting there like, yeah, I've done that today. (laughs) I've been told that. Don't you tell anybody. And, And my response has not been, but should have been, well, don't you tell me. Because I'm apt to tell Stephanie, you know. And somebody might hear me tell Stephanie. So be, be, be careful before you criticize. Be careful before you complain. You might just get yourself in trouble. It's better just to... Bad things travel a lot faster and a lot further than good things. I do something bad and everybody in town knows it. I do something good and I can't get anybody to to, to tell me I've done good. So next time, take caution before you complain. Now I'll close. This is good advice for every single one of us. And if we all wrote these things down, and I think we should, and we did it perfectly. I mean, if we just, every one of these, if every time we did something, we looked before we leaped, We thought before we spoke. We knew where we were going before we got started. We worked before we played. We used caution before we complained. Our life would be better. We'd live a better life if we did all five of these things. We'd live a better life. We'd be wiser. We'd be one step ahead of everybody. You understand that? If we did this, we'd be the wise people in the world and not the foolish people in the world. And it'd be like we were playing ahead all the time. Everybody would be saying, wow, look at you. You should write a self-help book. (laughs) or you should read Ecclesiastes so if we did this perfectly our lives would be a little bit better but if we did every single one of these things perfectly it won't get us any bit closer to heaven I want you to know that self-help never got anyone to heaven you need to get this at the end I cannot stand self-help sermons. I've listened to them. These guys in in pulpits, they give self-help sermons every week. Ten ways to this and five ways to that and how to be a better this and how to be a better that. And I get that and I just, it just, it just makes me cringe all over. And I'm like, no! And here I am tonight. Five things I wish I knew when I was younger. But understand this, I'll never preach those things unless they're in the text that I'm preaching. Because self-help never got anyone any closer to heaven. It'll help you that much in life. It will. I mean, you do these things, it'll get you just a step ahead. It'll, it'll, get, it'll get you a little better life. And you'll be more prepared. And you'll be out in front of everybody. And you'll stay out of trouble a little bit more. And your, your, your job will be better. And, and all these different things. And it'll, it'll help you a little bit. But it will not help anyone get to heaven. The gospel is not... Self-help. 
The gospel is entirely, completely, totally God help. We can make our lives just a little bit better here, but we can never get ourselves there. That takes a work of Almighty God. The only help that, that, that will get us to heaven is the help where God sent His only begotten Son into the world. I can't do it. You can't do it. I can't lift a finger to get myself to heaven. It is 100% God that gets us to heaven. Self-help may help us here, but it, this advice means absolutely nothing in eternity. Again, the gospel says we can't help ourselves. Understand that. There's a, there's a saying that's going around that goes around that says God helps those who help themselves. God, is that, that, that's entirely false. God helps those who can't help themselves. That's why Jesus came. If we could help ourselves, Jesus wouldn't have had to come. He came to do what we couldn't do. So we understand that salvation is an entire, entirely a work of God. And the best advice that I can ever give anybody here tonight, and I'll close and we'll get out early. The best advice. I've given you five pieces of advice here. Put your faith in Christ before you die. That's the best advice that I can ever give anybody. Give your life to Christ. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Understand what he's done for you and who he is. And put your faith in him and love him and honor him and serve him all the days of your life. And maybe you can do these, these, these little pieces of advice here. But even if you don't do these things here, if your faith is in Christ, your eternity will be grand. So my advice to you today, not these five things. I've enjoyed these things. These are five things I wish I knew when I was younger. But primarily, put your faith in Christ. Live for him, serve him, because that's the only way anybody, any of us, will ever get to heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a, a uh, helpful, and I, that's, that was my, my goal for this sermon tonight, was to be helpful to our people. Uh, and you, God, you know I set a goal for sermons. This is what I want to get out of this. And I wanted to help our people tonight to live life well. I didn't want to preach well. That's not my goal. I want to be clear. But primarily I want people to understand this. And for this to help them to live like Christ. Who I think lived the wisest life that anyone ever lived. I think he followed this advice perfectly. I think everything that we said tonight in this, he did. Nobody lived any wiser than him. So all I want to do tonight is to help our people to have Christ formed in them. To be more like our dear Savior. To walk like he walked and to talk like he talked and to think like he thought. To be like he was. That's sanctification. God, form Christ in us. So let this passage tonight in Ecclesiastes, a very obscure passage that many haven't even i've never preached and heard before but let this help us be more like your son thank you for this time in your word tonight and we ask and pray these things in jesus name amen